Today on Hardwired. And then they ask the questions, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your return and of the end of the age? So the disciples understood something. They understood that what Jesus said would happen, the temple would be destroyed, but they also understood that he would one day return. And they also understood that there would be an end of all things. There would be an end of the age. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been talking about the signs that precede Jesus' return. And today we're going to be talking about something that a lot of preachers no longer discuss, and that is the rapture of the church. They won't preach the rapture anymore. We don't hear about it from a lot of pulpits. But the Bible is very, very clear that there is going to be a day when Christ returns and the church is going to be caught by surprise, caught right up into the presence of the Lord in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the message, caught by surprise. Grab your Bible. I believe this is going to bless you. Let's go. Let me ask a question. How many believe Jesus is actually going to return? Last couple of weeks, we've talked about that, and I want to wrap it up today with one more time, and I'm going to call this caught by surprise. Jesus talked a lot about that, caught by surprise. So let's look at Matthew 24 up here, and starting at verse 33, here's what Jesus said. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows. So why do we set dates? Because Jesus said, no one knows, right? Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And then he goes into an example, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the very day that Noah entered the ark. And watch this. No one knew. No one had gotten it until the flood came and took them all away. Though they had been listening to 120 years of preaching from Noah. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, he gives another example. Two men are going to be in the field. One taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. 
Therefore, you also, read the next two words with me real loud, be ready. That's the gist of what he's saying. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour. You're not expecting him. You're going to be caught by surprise. Most of the earth will be caught by surprise. Now, the last two weeks, we've talked about Jesus' reply to three questions asked him by the disciples. Remember, they had been in the temple, and they came out of this temple, which was a magnificent, one of the wonders of the world. It was huge and architecturally, staggeringly beautiful. Uh, It was the second temple. It was the rebuilt temple, but it had been undergoing about 46 years of renovation by King Herod. So it had become an, an incredible thing to see. So the disciples are all blown away by it, and they leave the temple, and And they turn to Jesus and say, can you believe that thing? Now I'm paraphrasing, but can you believe the beauty of that temple? And Jesus wheeled around and said, do you see that temple? Not one stone is gonna be left upon another. It's coming down. It's going to be destroyed. They're staggered by this. Said, what? And then they ask the questions. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your return? and of the end of the age. So the disciples understood something. They understood that what Jesus said would happen, the temple would be destroyed, but they also understood that he would one day return. And they also understood that there would be an end of all things. There would be an end of the age. Jesus didn't refute either question. He answered them. And you know what he did? He spent two whole chapters answering these questions. Chapter 24 of Matthew and chapter 25. Two whole chapters of a beautiful prophetic discourse. It's called the Olivet Discourse. But Jesus just became this, well, he always was, but he he slipped into major prophetic gear and told of the future, just laid out a map of the future to the end of time. Heavy stuff. And he gave some general signs, and I've told you about those general signs. He said, you're going to see famines, earthquakes, pestilences, false Christ, false prophets, great deception. These various things are going to happen. And when he did that, it's not like he was saying those things aren't going to happen until I am about to return, because we've always had earthquakes and pestilences and false Christ and, and all these different things. But he said, it's going to be like a woman in labor. As I return, as I prepare to return, as my return draws near, you're going to see these things increase in frequency and increase in intensity. They're going to happen on a multiplied plane. They're going to happen squared. You're going to see these things happen like a snowball turning into an avalanche. So they're going to increase suddenly, obviously, visibly, before my return. And then the new baby is gonna be born. And the new baby is the kingdom of God. When he comes to earth, returns to earth, and establishes his messianic kingdom, and rules the earth with a rod of iron and a scepter of righteousness, this world is one day going to be ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah, returned to this planet. That's what he said. And then he mentioned two other sides. He said, as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, we saw the days of Noah were filled with violence. They were filled with people apostatizing away from the faith. 
There was great wickedness, great evil in the days of Noah. Violence covered the earth in the days of Noah. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, that's the way it's gonna be when I return. Right before I return, the earth is going to be that way. And then he mentioned Lot. Well, the only thing you can see about Sodom is that sexual perversion was socially sanctioned and amened and accepted before the fire fell on Sodom. Jesus said, that's the way it's gonna be in the days before I return. So we're going to see as we are right now, sexual perversion be socially acceptable and socially sanctioned and amened by a worldwide society. And we're on a fast track to that right now. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah and Lot, so shall it be in the days before I return. Now, if you look at the entirety of Jesus' response to the three questions, you'll find that you can break it down into three parts. He emphasized three different things that we really need to look at today. In chapter 24, he gives us the signs of his return. Here's what you can look for. These are gonna be signs. And when you see these signs happening and multiplying, you can know that I'm near at the door. Later in chapter 24 and beginning into chapter 25, Jesus looked back to Noah's generation and the city of Sodom. Both were caught by surprise by God's judgment. Then he looked forward and gave us several scenarios of what it will be like when he returns. And all of them had to do with people being caught by surprise, taken by surprise. First, he gives us the individuals we just read about. Two men working in a field. Suddenly, one is gone and the other is left. The one remaining was caught by surprise. He was unprepared. Two women grinding at the mill, working together, probably friends. Suddenly, one is taken and the other is left. The one left was taken by surprise. Jesus' whole gist is, it's going to be like a thief in the night. It's going to be sudden. When I return, most of the earth is not going to be ready. They're going to be caught by surprise. He followed up that little example with three parables. The first parable has to do with a householder who goes on a journey and leaves his servants in charge until he returns. And I'm talking about that parable today in just a moment. The second parable is about a man traveling to a far country and he leaves his goods and the goods are called talents in the parable. He leaves talents with the servants and he returns and one of them is unprepared. The third parable is about 10 virgins who go to a wedding and they're waiting for the bridegroom. When he appears, five are ready and five are caught totally by surprise unprepared. So you see a theme happening here. Jesus gives example after example of people who were not prepared, who were caught by surprise. He first gave us the signs to look for. And then he said, here's my concern. My concern is all the people who are going to be caught by surprise, who are going to be caught unprepared. So he talked about it and talked about it and hit it from several different angles. And finally, he finishes his prophetic discourse. And the third emphasis he makes is how to live your life wisely before his return. So to answer the questions, in a nutshell, here's what Jesus answered. He answered the disciples' questions with the signs of his return, how to be ready for his return, and how to live wisely before his return. And then he ended it. 
chapter 24, chapter 25. Now I want to talk about the second part, caught by surprise, being ready for his return. Jesus said, therefore you also be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you don't expect. Now I guarantee you if he said that, it's what's going to happen. When he comes, people are not going to have expected it. It's gonna be a shock. It's gonna be a startling thing. Every eye shall see him and those who pierced him. And every tribe and ethnicity of the earth is going to mourn because of him. John wrote in the Revelation. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. Now, when he gave the signs, he ended the signs by launching into the first parable. The first parable is about a householder who goes away on a journey. And it contains two main characters, and it's very easy to remember this. Two main characters are a wise servant and a wicked servant, a good servant and a lazy servant, a servant that's, that's ready for his return and a servant that's not ready for the master's return. So you got a household, the master leaves, and let's read what Jesus said. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their meat at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he returns, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all of his goods. Now, what I just read to you is jam-packed with powerful revelation, as everything was that Jesus said. Now, let's just break the parable down. It's very easy. In the parable, there is a household and a master of the house. The master of the house leaves for a long time, and he leaves his servants in charge of his house. Now, it's easy to see what the parable is talking about because the master of the house is Jesus Christ. Because didn't Jesus get crucified, buried, rose from the dead, met with his disciples, appeared to many people for many, many days, and then met with his disciples one last time. And when he was done meeting with them, the Bible says he was taken up into the clouds as they watched and disappeared. And then an angel was standing there. And the angel said, why are you looking up? He said, the same one who ascended is going to descend again in the same way. The angel said, he's going to return. Now get about kingdom business. That's the gist. So in this parable, you have Jesus, the master of the house, leaving the household for a long time. Now the household is God's family. It's his church. It's you and me. It's, turn to your neighbor and say, it's you. You're the household. And the household is worldwide. The household is comprised of hundreds of millions of people. We are all who are blood-bought, who have the Spirit of God living inside of us, are the children of God, and we make up God's household. And the master of the house 
has gone away for a long, long time, 21 centuries now. Now, he left it in charge of a servant. The faithful servant is primarily directed at church leaders, okay? But it could also include all believers for every believer is a minister. Now, let me tell you something you may not know. You are a minister. That is, you are one who can dispense the good things of the kingdom of God. You have a treasure in earthen vessels, and God wants you, not just me, but you as well, to get out there and minister the life and the reality of Jesus Christ to people everywhere, okay? Matter of fact, let me show you that you're a minister. You say, well, I, didn't, I just got saved. I'm no minister. Oh, yes, you are. When you go home today, look at yourself in the mirror and say hello to a minister, okay? Listen to Peter. Each of you should use whatever gift you have. Now, wh how many do you think each comprises? How much is each? Is it half? Is it some? Is it most? What's each? It's the person on your right, it's the person on your left. It's the person in front of you and the person behind you. It's everybody who is in God's household has a gift. This is one of the callings of our church. It is to, to see you grow in the things of God and begin to minister what God has put into your heart. Minister the truth of the gospel. And so listen to what Peter said. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So when I got saved, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit put a gift in us. It might be prayer. It might be preaching, teaching. It might be exhorting. It might be encouraging. It, it might be giving. There are many, many various gifts, he says, that are given to us in various forms by God's grace and we are to minister that grace and that gift to members of God's household while the master is still gone. So there's no sitting, soaking, and souring in the pew for a real believer who understands who they are. God hadn't called us to sit, soak, and sour. He has called us to reach others with the life that he has put inside of us. Hey, listen, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. And so we've got a gift. And then he says, meet. He said, when the master returns, he wanted to see, he was looking for the members of his household ministering or administering meat to others in God's house. Now, what is the meat? It's very simple. The meat is the spiritual things of God. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm giving you meat in God's house. As a matter of fact, I pray that it's equivalent to a Del Frisco T-bone <laughs> or a salt grass T-bone. See, I'm giving you the meat in God's house. I'm giving you the meat of the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so right now you're receiving life from the word of God. I'm administering meat, but I'm not the only one that's supposed to do it. Now you being blessed and you being filled are to go out and minister, administer meat or the things of God to others in God's household. And Jesus said, blessed is that servant who when the master returns is found so doing. Doing what? Ministering the grace and the life and the love of God to members of the house. This ought to be not a big gossip fest 
or a slander fest in church. We're not called to tear one another down or to criticize or to gossip against one another. We're called to build one another up in the love of Christ until we grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. That's the will of God. So watch this. You're a minister in God's house. And one day the master is gonna return. And what does he wanna find you doing? Ministering meat, administering the meat, the good things of the spirit of God to the house of God, to other people, because the Lord is all about people. And he didn't bless you just for you. And he didn't bless me just for me, but he blessed us so that we could become a blessing to others. The Dead Sea is dead because water flows in, but it doesn't flow out. The Sea of Galilee is alive because water flows in and water flows out. When God blesses you and me, he wants the water to flow in and then the water to flow out. He wants to make you and me a blessing to other people. Okay. And I really do believe that until you start blessing others and ministering to others in whatever capacity God's given you, whatever door he opens, then until you do that, you're only experiencing half of the blessing of Christianity. I can't tell you how many times I've stepped into the pulpit battling one thing or another and just ministering to you is therapy for me. It, it sets me free. Just giving what God has given to me. So take the T-bone and go out and share it. Amen? The wise servant is providing me to the other servants in the house. He's busy with his Christian calling. He's doing the Lord's work. And that's why Paul said, you that are saved, you ought to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. You may have a secular full-time job, a manual labor job to provide for your family, but you've also got a spiritual Emmanuel labor job, and that is to minister to the saints of God. Now, Jesus' point here is this. Watch this. Here's what he's driving at. The thing that keeps the wise servant pure and faithful is his undying expectancy of the master's return. That's the point of the parable. What kept this first servant right and pure and ready for the master's return? Because he never lost his expectancy that the master would return. John said, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he comes, we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. Now listen to what he said next. And he that keeps this hope in himself purifies himself. So as long as you're expecting and looking for his return, it purifies you because you know he could come at any moment. I told you we have dogs. We have three dogs. I love dogs. We rescue dogs. Some Christians should be like dogs. <laughs> Christian dogs forgive. They don't hold grudges. You can be mean to them and they come and lick you anyway. They just love you. Now watch this. We have three. Two of them love Kathy more than me. I'm okay with that. I've taken it to God in prayer. They love Kathy more than me. When she comes home, it's like the second coming of Jesus every single time. They jump, they twirl, they yap, they just carry on. And I used to feel kind of cut out of the picture until I got Maxie, my little Yorkie. Oh my Lord. Those guys are creative. That looks, that's, that looks a lot like him. Is that him? Oh, that's Max. Excuse me a minute, Max. I'll tell you, that wasn't until this service. Y'all are blessed to see Max. 
Now, take his picture down, I can't think. Now watch this. I am the alpha person in the house with Max. Max loves me, and, and I'm good with that. Now, here's, here's what Kathy told me. She said, Jeff, when you leave, Max positions himself where he watches the door that you walked out of. And he watches that door and he won't eat good and he won't really pay much attention to me. And, and his ear is peeled for the sound of your car coming up the driveway. And he will sit there for hours on end waiting for you to return. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, Your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.